Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Yeah, hello. And today we are joined by a special guest, Lily. Hello. Dan couldn't make it today because he's preparing for the inevitable robot uprising, which is fitting because today we'll be talking about Black Mirror and how technology is changing our culture. So, spoiler alert for Black Mirror. Please sit back, relax, or if you're driving, sit upright and continue to drive vigilantly. So, uh, rather than individually go throughout every episode of Black Mirror, I think we could each maybe pick one that we want to talk about and then see where we go from there. Sure, that's an option. Um, I definitely want to just review really quickly the newest season, season four, Mm -hmm. and just where it relates to the other ones. I thought it was a, it had a good couple of episodes, but overall as a season, I didn't feel that it was that strong. Um, It did veer away from the consequences of technology. I felt like this season was a lot more of just like the morality of mankind and what's going to happen to them. Less of like, this is new technology here are the consequences that could happen. Yeah, I agree that it was more with mankind um, because a lot of it was, okay, we already have this technology now. Now how are the humans going to react to it? And what are they going to do with it? Rather than how does the technology affect the humans? It's how do the humans work with the technology? I liked the season overall. There were a lot more episodes than in some past seasons. So there were a lot of different ideas. (laughs) But... There definitely were some episodes where there was, I felt, more potential than they executed. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the USS Callister or the Star Trek episode as it's been come to be known because we're at a point where virtual reality video games are getting more and more sophisticated. So it's kind of like Lily said, here's the new technology these are the consequences. It's you have this technology. This is its inevitable conclusion. And is this what we want? Right. Um, One thing that I saw in this most recent season that kept coming up over and over again is digital copies of people and whether or not they can have the same rights as humans because they clearly are sentient, but they're non-existent in like the physical sense. And so for many of the episodes, it was, here's a virtual copy, and we're going to do whatever we want to it. And I really liked in the finale episode how the guy, while he's giving the tour of the museum, starts explaining some of the consequential laws that got put into place. Like, um, you can't put a sentient copy of something into an object that can't express at least five emotions. And I thought that was like a cool blurb consequence of some of the technology expansion. Like a stuffed monkey. I love you. Monkey 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 loves you. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was a really cool line um, because it would like that would happen if we got to the point where we could transfer consciousness. Hopefully some sort of legislation would be passed of no, if they can only say monkey loves you or monkey needs a hug. That's inhumane. Mm-hmm. Um, that episode, and again, the Callister, um, at the end where Landry Clark is um, trapped forever in the video game, and then when um, the woman is trapped in the monkey, that 
is one of my worst fears is being trapped somewhere. So that like really kind of freaked me out. <laughs> I enjoyed that it was an idea that they brought about in the first episode of the season and then tied mm-hmm. into the last episode of the season of well these these feel like real people. They have emotions and they have thoughts and they have desires, but they're trapped and they're treated almost like slaves. And then in the last episode, they brought it back and said, now there are laws Mm -hmm. for these virtual copies of people. Right. And I think it it brings up another point of, are you transferring consciousness or just making a copy of it? Which I think was a question that was brought up in the San Junipero episode. San Junipero. Uh, It was brought up in the San Junipero episode. Did I get it right that time? How do you say it? San Junipero. San Junipero. Am I saying it differently? I don't know. You have a a Colombian accent. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it was brought up in the episode of San Junipero, which begs the question, like, heaven being just another level of technology, was it their consciousness or was it just a copy of their consciousness? And they successfully died. And I guess they got to die peacefully because they felt secure that their consciousness would live on. But was it them? And that is brought up again over and over in season four. Mm -hmm. And this idea of not wanting to let humans go, like we saw in the episode Black Museum, the man's wife was forever in a vegetative state. And to not have to let her go, he transports her into his mind. And this is the same kind of idea like we have in season two, Be Right Back, where the woman doesn't want to let her husband go and she gets a physical copy. And they like playing on this idea of not letting other humans leave. And what if humans don't have to die? And they've been playing with that a lot. And as we see, bringing it back in different seasons as well. There there was one episode where an old guy was like, yeah, I'm... I'm like a thousand years old. And I was like, wait, is he a thousand years old? Is that like going to be a snippet of like, actually they're like immortal? Or was he just saying like, I'm a thousand years old as a joke? (laughs) I can't tell yet. It turns out he was saying it as a joke. Because he died in the next scene. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I saw recently this clip of um, a lab that said that they figured out how to grow like human bodies that you could transfer your consciousness into. Um, So that way, like once that body, once your physical body dies, you can go into this body. And then once that body's ready to die, you can go into a different body. It turned out to be um, a publicity stunt for another Netflix show coming out soon. But my initial reaction was like, wow, they did it. Like (laughs) I totally bought that it was real for a second. Um, But I think that will one day be a question of when your teacher jokingly is like, oh, yeah, back when I went to school a thousand years ago. It's like, w- is that when you went to school? Like, which, <laughs> how long ago like, were you in school? <laughs> While watching these Black Mirror episodes, I actually uh, came up with sort of my own Black Mirror introduction. Like, this is an advancement in technology. And while thinking about it, I was wondering... What type of consequences or like unexpected consequences would occur with this technology? And so I was wondering if you two could uh, help me out with really fleshing out this Black Mirror episode. 
Um, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so what I was thinking was a point in society where technology allows us to eat any food and make it taste whatever we want. So I'm imagining this world where everyone is decently fit and like eating healthy and we start slowly figuring out in the episode that everyone enjoys the food that they eat because they can sort of spray a flavor on it. So everyone's eating salads and eating kale and making smoothies and they're choosing to make it taste like bacon and they're choosing to make it taste like waffles with syrup and that's how they're staying so healthy. And so as any utopia story it's secretly a dystopia so i'm wondering what the unintended consequences of that episode might be i immediately imagine people start using this for cannibalism Mm. like the hang-up of no that's gross is no longer there because you get to just make it taste like pancakes (laughs) so yeah okay that, that makes sense because when the technology changes, humanity doesn't, and there's always going to be fucked up people. Exactly. And yeah, not everyone's eating people, but there might be someone that's like, you know what, I think I want to eat a person. I'm also going to make it taste like Frosted Flakes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really fun of, like, that's what's been holding some people yeah. back. Like, there are a lot of scary types of people out there, but some of them are suppressed enough by societal expectations where they don't follow through with their impulses. So maybe we might see something like that, where they don't have to worry so much about their impulses and can now eat people, I guess. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that my mind automatically jumps to, say someone just buys heads of lettuce and they make it constantly taste like a cheeseburger, a milkshake, french fries. They don't need anything else. They buy the cheapest thing possible, the cheapest, healthiest thing possible. They're not getting nutrients that their body actually needs. They're not eating a balanced diet. Because why would they if they mm-hmm. feel like they are? Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe seeing like a social class distinction of healthy, like fit people versus like maybe like really skinny, like malnourished, malnourished people because they're both using the same technology but that aspect of money hasn't changed. So people are still trying to figure out ways to survive. Some people are educated in nutrients and other people aren't. Mm-hmm. That'd be a nice twist on the utopia dystopia. You could also get um, into a very like horrifying image of um, a homeless person gets their hands on like one of these sprays. They can't afford anything, but now they can spray it on garbage or on themselves and now it's like, okay, I have to eat something. I'm going to eat this plastic bag I found, but it's going to taste good. So, like, mm-hmm. at least I'll think I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Or I'm imagining him spraying it on his finger and, like, biting his finger off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that idea of kind of what's real if, like, you like you can eat anything now because you can make it taste like food um, is very prevalent in Black Mirror. There's a lot of episodes about simulation and, like, what's real versus what's just created. Um, I recently found out about emerging video technology where you can... It's kind of like the face swap on Snapchat where you can very realistically change someone's face. So the way I heard it was there was this Obama video where they had audio from him very long ago. 
and then projected his his now face on the video of him saying it and it looked like he was saying it now even though he said it you know however many years ago so i imagine especially now with all this facial recognition software um that's being more and more integrated into our daily lives somehow you can do it in real time so like you have like a mask that you can then project any face onto and then it's like well who's real like is that really a presidential candidate speaking or is that someone they hired to like make them look bad or is mm. that really my husband or is he cheating on me and he hired someone to be here while he's off doing something else whoa so they wear the mask and that mask becomes the face essentially like, yeah almost like a green screen mask and like everyone has the microchips like already put in and so like someone else can be affecting what you see mm-hmm wow That'd That's kind of cool... like polyjuice potion. That's yeah. what it reminds me of from Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Which, why are we not talking about how magic is so scary? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about where magic and science are one and the same. Hey, don't diss my man Thor like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th I think what you're talking about reminds me a lot of an existing Black Mirror episode where people in the army um get sort of microchips in their head and anyone who they who the government chooses as enemies they s visually see as literal monsters and so it makes it easier for them to kill without the ptsd aspect of oh my god i just killed a human um and so maybe expanding on that universe and seeing how that can be applied in regular society mm -hmm. rather than just in in the army yeah, that would be a good, like, spin-off of that episode, I guess, basically. Because that is um, how a lot of technology comes to be. The army makes it, and then... This society th finds a way to use it themselves. Mm-hmm. Like Hummers. Yeah, and Jeeps. It's a Jeep thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just run over that kid? It's a Jeep thing. <laughs> um... An idea that I had for a Black Mirror episode. What if we revert back to a period of slavery with just different social classes and the people who could afford this technology, they have the technology to actually make people do what they want rather than it just being someone owning slaves. It's kind of like an Ella Enchanted type of thing where it's go do this and they have no choice but to do it because of the technology. Okay, so it wouldn't be like, I bought you and you're my slave now. They just have some sort of ray gun or like a chip that they can just go up to. Like, would it just be a random person? No, it would be okay. part of the technology is they have these people. Okay. Maybe it could be people signing up for it. I don't know. Interesting. So I'm imagining that episode like leading into one of them malfunctions and now this supposed slave can do whatever they want, get their hands on the technology and put it back on the slave owner. And then maybe like you think that that's going to start a revolution, but instead he just stays in that spot of slave owner and still keeps all of his slaves. Yeah, I imagine we meet a slave owner and throughout the episode come to find out that 
he was a slave and then that scenario played out so it's like a reveal of oh this kid like this person was a slave is now a slave owner and then i think it'd be fun if at the end of the episode that person gets taken down by another slave and then it's just a repeating cycle of oh eventually one malfunctions and takes over and no one can do anything because they're all stuck in this like obedience chip mm-hmm. that it yeah i think we just wrote a new black mirror episode <laughs> netflix hit us up we're full of these <laughs> No, I think I ran out. I was yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. tell them. <laughs> but yeah, like, I enjoy Black Mirror as a whole and really like this aspect of new technology. What are the potential consequences of that? And the most recent technology that's been coming out that a lot of people seem to be hesitant of or the fearful of is this um, home devices that are constantly listening And so you can voice activate them. So like the Google Home, the Alexa Echo, and I think Apple is coming out with a new one now. Yeah, Apple is coming out with the HomePod, which is a terrible name, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that seems to be like scaring a lot of people of, oh, don't bring those into your home because then they'll always be listening. And I'm wondering, like, is that really a consequence that we should be afraid of? What do you guys think? Yeah, I get into this discussion a lot because I really want an Echo Dot or a Google Home or whichever, and Ramona does not because she has that fear of, no, like it's constantly listening and like recording and this, that, the other thing. And maybe my point of view is problematic, but I'm just like, who cares? (laughs) I already have a cell phone. I already have a laptop. What is this one more thing going to change? Yeah, I definitely have a similar opinion of I already don't have privacy from the government. So I guess I'm desensitized to the point where I don't care if I have privacy from companies, which I guess is a bad thing. I can totally see how they've been slowly transitioning me into being comfortable with everyone knowing what I what I'm doing. But overall, I think the two options are we accept that there is no such thing as privacy, at least not on the macro level, or we really need to start abandoning a lot of the technology that's coming out. My mom is someone who is very um, put off by Alexa, and she says she'll never have one in her house um, because someone's always constantly listening to you. And Does she own a cell phone? She does. All right, it's too late. Someone's already (laughs) always listening. Um. So at first I was wondering like, well, I don't care. I have all this other technology, but then I was wondering, is it a generational thing? Could a different generation feel differently towards it because they didn't grow up with all of this? We are kind of biased because we've always grown up with cell phones and laptops and computers. So we've been used to not having the privacy Mm -hmm. in a sense. I definitely think that's true. My dad is 65 and if he has to give an email address for something, if he has to, like, have a credit card on file, he won't do it. He hates the idea of being plugged in. Whereas I'm like, yeah, like, if I can't just keep my credit card logged into my Amazon account, I'm, like, a little annoyed. I'm like, I have to pull it out every single time. Just save it. 
<laughs> and that's again probably problematic but i definitely think it is a generational thing of i've had these conveniences at the sake of privacy my dad had privacy but didn't have all these conveniences so he's like well i'm going to keep the privacy i've lived without the conveniences i can keep living without them at the risk of um like isolating our audience i just think it's a little naive to think you have privacy. Well, we just lost half of our audience, <laughs> Alex. Thanks. Um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean it in the wake up, sheeple. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but yeah, there's this sense of I don't think I've ever had privacy. And so I can do without it. But I do remember that quote by Benjamin Franklin. He said, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety, deserve neither liberty nor safety. And this quote comes up in the context of new technology and like concerns with government surveillance a lot. And uh, it looks like I'm anti-Benjamin Franklin because (laughs) I'm not even doing it for safety. I'm doing it for convenience. Yeah, arguably I am less safe (laughs) with all this information that is that I'm like, yeah, I want a little thing that I can speak to to turn on the lights for me. I don't care if it's constantly listening to my conversations. I actually had a moment last year where a guy had come up to me in a gas station and asked for my number. And I said no. And then he kept pestering me and asking for my Instagram. And I was like, fine, here's my Instagram handle. And then I drove away and I finally realized, I was like, who is this guy? Like, I have no clue who this guy is. And I finally realized how much of my life was out there for a stranger to see. Just by my Instagram handle, you have my first and last name. And then you Google my first and last name, you have my Facebook. By my Facebook, you have my Twitter and everything. You could find out everything about me. And that's when I kind of privated all my accounts because I finally realized how vulnerable I was to the world. Yeah, and there's there are apps out there that you can download photos off of Instagram and find the information of where that picture was taken and when it was taken, which is saved on your, on every single photo that you take on your uh, smartphone. All of that information is saved through like GPS and things like that. And there are apps that can download that information right off of your pictures. I'd love if that app was like to catch a predator like, because obviously a certain type of person is going to be using that app. So it's like you download it and then the cops show up to your house like 30 minutes later. I don't know how fast cops travel. Um, <laughs> hopefully faster. Hopefully than faster than 30 <laughs> At the minutes. speed of justice. Mm. Which is probably 30 minutes. Probably like 30 minutes per hour. I don't know. that. <laughs> okay, so let me just explain really quickly how rates work. So they have to be different units. Uh, yeah, um, that's why I was like, that's <laughs> definitely not right. <laughs> um, but that does remind me, Alex, you brought up a story about an Alexa calling the police. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up um, when you mentioned maybe you're actually even less safe, but you're doing it for convenience. I'm willing to argue that I feel more safe. Um, and again, I'm, I could be the naive one. I'm sorry for the... I don't know if you're still listening, other half of audience, <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, I remember this article coming out that there was an incident of domestic violence 
and Alexa called the police for them or for the one person. The other person was furious about it. Um, <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Probably because they were going to go to jail. <laughs> um, and so like the police showed up and the Alexa had the recording of everything that led up to the physical abuse. So it had all of the verbal abuse that led up to it. And it was the perfect alibi that put the guy in jail. And honestly, I'd want to think of my Alexa app and my Echo as my alibi. And if anyone ever asks me like what I was doing on this certain day, I can be like, well, I was at home doing this or that. And they're like, well, prove it. And I'm like, okay, here's this digital recording that exists. Where were you on the night of the 15th? Um, at home. And what were you doing? Um, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this. Hey, kid, I'll stay here all night. Okay, okay, I was... I was masturbating. That's what they all say. You got any proof? <sighs> yeah, my Alexa app was recording me. <laughs> Alexa, play audio from the night of the 15th. All right, you're free to go, kid. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> so yeah, um, Alexa listening isn't all bad. It can be a safety measure in a situation of abuse. Maybe you're asleep and someone breaks into your house. Alexa hears glass shatter and calls the police. Yeah, hopefully while the guy breaks in, hopefully they say their name and then we got them. Ah, I made it in. Me, Jack Johnson, ready to rob this house. I really hope that that's how they rob. A question I have, though, is, for example, Alex, your Alexa is right next to your TV. Mm -hmm. So if Alexa picks up violence, like what you had said in the article, how can she differentiate if it's from a movie or if it's in real life? I trust the technology. They can, I mean... Of course you do. <laughs> technology can differentiate between singing and talking. And they can differentiate between a recording of something versus someone talking out loud. Um, so I think my guess is they'd be able to identify the difference between television and me. Fingers crossed. I really hope the police don't come. Well, I have a friend who has an Alexa, and she says whenever the Alexa commercial comes on and they say Alexa, Alexa mm. lights up. They fix that. They, Never mind. No, but that's definitely a concern. Mm -hmm. While we're in the transition period of learning everything that the voice-activated things will pick up, there is a there should be a genuine concern of what would they interpret as real or fake. Because yes, that did happen to me once or twice. But you, the Alexa gets updated constantly. And things when things come up like that, they get fixed. But obviously there's going to be quote-unquote victims of things that don't come up yet. And so the trial people, like me, will have those consequences. Yeah, I think we're in the early stage of this technology. So we're seeing all the bugs. Um Whereas with cell phones, yeah, we've seen like a rapid increase from flip phones to smartphones. Um, cell phone technology has been around for a while. So like as far as the phone technology goes, we didn't have to live through all the bugs. 
So that's why we're just like, yeah, cell phone, this is what it does. This is how it works. Mm. Um, we haven't really had this kind of like, oh, but like it has this, that, and this problem. Oh, but yeah, like, but like they fixed that last year because they, we were saying, oh, it's a problem and you need to fix it. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say about the Alexa is that when I mute her, she turns bright red. And all I can think about is iRobot, where whenever they do something evil, they're red. And it's because like there's like this giant AI sentient um, woman. And I just thought about just the danger of, I guess, technology turning around and being against us. And I get how that's a fear. But honestly, I think potentially robots will have a better judgment and better morality than humans do, based, especially based on these Black Mirror episodes. Um, like the one where the girl keeps murdering more and more people to protect her secret. Do you think a robot would have done that? Maybe. Going, who, who knows? I'm not a robot. Essentially, we have free will. A robot mm -hmm. doesn't. A robot is programmed a certain way. Mm -hmm. So we'll do the wrong things because we have the free will to do so. Right. But when we look at the beginning of the iRobot movie, where we find out why Will Smith is so resentful of robots, is because the robot saw in that black and white color and said, Will Smith, you have a 40% chance of living, whereas that child over there only has an 8% chance. So I'm going to save you instead of the child. And so Will Smith is like, free will is what would prevent us from making those types of mistakes. I would mm -hmm. rather you prioritize the child, even if he has a less chance of surviving. That conversation's been um, being had over self-driving cars as well. In the event of the car choosing to hit a pedestrian or swerve out of the way and hit a tree and murder everybody in the car, how does the, how does the car like differentiate which is the best option? Is it how many people survive? Is it like safety, like you're in the car, so you have a higher chance of survival than the person getting hit by the car? Mm -hmm. um, like you said, a robot, at least right now, can only choose what it's programmed to. Yeah, we'd have to program like a philosophy that the robot lives by, which preferably is not utilitarian, mm -hmm. where it's just like, well, the more people that survive, that's the better one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, cause you don't take into account age. What if it's a baby? Mm -hmm. Or baby. Black mirror. Black mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the first exposure I ever had to this idea of robots taking over and robots doing the opposite of what we want them to do is from Smart House on Disney Channel. <laughs> that movie scared me so badly. And now it's kind of like, well, is that a reality that's coming? It's almost like a Black Mirror episode of this idea of a wonderful house that does everything for you, but then it backfires. I would say we're at, like, very, I guess, primitive in comparison to the smart house. But an Alexa is essentially the smart house AI. There's other, there's other um, things for, like, your sink where you could say turn on and it starts running. Um, so yeah, I think we're definitely close to the smart house, which brings me to a point I wanted to bring up. Um, people 
go crazy over Black Mirror, which they should. It's a good show. But they're like, oh, man, it really opened my eyes. Why? Movies and TV have been warning us about rapid technology for decades. The earliest one that comes to my mind is Terminator. And that was in, like, the 70s or 80s. Um, yeah, my reference isn't that old, but I think of Wally. Yeah, Wally is an interesting one because it shows us the future, not just with fantastic new technologies, but humans don't have to do anything because everything's automated. And one of my old professors brought this up. Um, she would always say, oh, you guys, like, I don't know why you're going to college for this. By the time you graduate and get a job, everything's going to be robots. But she wasn't saying it to scare us of like, oh, the robots are coming to take our jobs. She would rather say, why is that a bad thing? We've kind of mentioned the downside of ro robotics of like, oh, they can't empathize and they can't like critically think they can only do what we program them. But if humans don't have to work anymore, then we'll be free to do whatever we want. Right. I think there's a and this opinion might have a generational gap with it, but do you exist just to work, just to provide, just to like sort of loop through that cycle of I'm going to work and make money and then sometimes explore my hobbies versus once we let the robots do all of the work aspect and the farming aspect and the whatever is required for humans to subsist, what is left for us? I mean, my answer would be learning. That's that's what we would that's what I would do with the rest of my life is just keep finding different passions and exploring different things. If I didn't have to work for a living, my first thing wouldn't be necessarily to learn. I know you have like a passion for learning. Um, I would do things that I enjoy. I would go hiking more. I would travel places. I would see the world because now I have the opportunity to do so. But that brings about the question for me, what's the money deal? What how do we get money if we don't work? Does it cost money to go places now? Yeah, it would definitely be a huge societal shift to an entirely new way of living. But it's not one that I think we should be afraid of. I think it's personally one that we should embrace. I know there's the ideal of hard work. And if you're a hard worker, you're good. And if you're lazy, you're bad. But is that only because humans have had to work? Once robots can do everything and you're free to learn or travel the world or do whatever it is you want to do, will the idea of hard work disappear or change as such a, ah, oh, he's a hard worker. Like, what a great person because he's a hard worker. Yeah, I think, like, the shift of how social class is constructed makes people really afraid because this idea of having money or not having money is very quantifiable but that doesn't make it fair especially in the sense of people being born into money um, people being born into a certain lifestyle that has a lot more obstacles and so for now it's the fairest thing that we have but it's not necessarily the best case scenario and I think instead of running away from the consequences of technology taking our jobs we should not necessarily let it happen, but get into what's next. And I feel like because we have this idea of hard work and you work hard to 
make a living and to have a house and to have a family because that's the goal. Whenever media goes against that, we, they, it automatically assumes that humans are going to be lazy mm -hmm. and they're going to not do anything for themselves anymore when that's not necessarily the case. Right. Yeah. What, one thing I learned um, is that there this term laziness has such a negative connotation and a lot of psychologists don't believe that there is such thing as laziness. There's such thing as unmotivation. And if you're unmotivated to do something, you want to find the root of where that motivation is lost or where it comes from and discover what motivates you. But it's never an actual characteristic or trait of a person to be lazy. No one wants to not do anything. Yeah, um, going back to Wally, they have those two people that um, I think their screens break and then they go swimming and like they run around the ship. So yes, the, the point is, oh, they became lazy. But then once they realize they have all this other stuff that they can do, they go and do it. They go out and have fun and find out what it is that they actually want to do. So I think that is... Um, what would likely happen. And thinking of Wally and going back to iRobot, ultimately what saves the day is another robot. <laughs> so are these movies warning us of like the advances of technology, but also demonstrating some sense of hope that some robots will be okay? Yeah, I think it's definitely what is true that is technology and advancements in technologies blanketly bad? No, of course not. Is it blanketly good? Also no. There's definitely a back and forth that's going to have to happen. And I think maybe that's what these movies are getting at. And going back to Black Mirror and the idea of laziness, in all these episodes, the people still have jobs. They go for <laughs> runs. They do regular things with their lives. Even in Hang the DJ, they were in this simulation. And I remember turning to Alex and saying, do they have jobs? Do they do anything? And they didn't. They didn't have jobs. Their purpose in the simulation was to exist and to date all these people. But they still had things they liked to do. They went and they skipped rocks. They went for hikes. So it just kind of ties together the whole Humans don't have to be lazy unless they choose to be. And the advanced technology doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be lazy. Because they're, they're still human beings. They're not, they're not robots. They're not robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think the moral that we're all trying to explain is humans and technology can coexist. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And we're still in this new transitional period where if we don't like where the technology is going, don't just say, oh, that scares me and I don't like it. You can do something about it. It's still early enough where we get to guide where it goes. That's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please tune in next Thursday when we talk about the shape of water and what really makes a person a person. If you liked us, tell your friends and find us on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore bald men and find us on Facebook. Thank you all so much again. And if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time.